Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast. I've got a really exciting uh, guest on today, Robert Wagoner. Uh, he is the past president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. He's the co-editor of the online magazine, The Lucid Dreaming Experience, and he's the author of two books, Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self, and Lucid Dreaming, Plain and Simple. But without, you know, forget all the accolades, the truth is I'm speaking with Robert because he's the first person I've ever met that's done a deep dive into lucid dreaming and what it means to have the dream states and all these different pieces and how it can help our day-to-day lives becoming healthy human beings, you know, in the world that we live in today. So without further ado, Robert, thank you so much for joining. Hey, Dan, it's great to be here. And uh, I really have taken a deep dive into lucid dreaming. And so I appreciate that you recognize that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, has it been your whole life that this has been something you're passionate about and interested in? You know, it was probably when I was 10 or 11 years old, I had my first lucid dream. Um, I was in the public library. I saw a little Tyrannosaurus Rex walking through the book stacks. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, even though I was 10 or 11, I thought, wait a second. Uh, I think that this has to be a dream. And and that was my very first lucid dream. But but it was when I became a teenager. That's when I taught myself a simple technique to become lucidly aware. And, and that was more than 40 years ago. So, so I've been exploring lucid dreaming on a deep level ever since. Wow. Okay. So for the audience members out there who don't know, let's do a high level overview of what is lucid dreaming? What is this thing that we're talking about right now? Yeah, so a lucid dream is any dream in which you realize within the dream that you're dreaming. You stop in the dream and you think, wait a second, this is too bizarre. Oh, this is a dream. I'm dreaming this. So you have to realize within the dream that you're dreaming. And it was uh, scientifically validated. Uh, the scientific evidence came out in 1980, 81, uh, mostly through the work of Stephen LeBurge. He brought people into the sleep lab. And he told them, when you become lucidly aware, move your eyes left to right eight times. And we'll record that on the rapid eye movement, polygraph pad readout. And so people were able to, to do that. They, while in the sleep state, while dreaming, they became lucidly aware, moved their eyes left to right eight times. That got recorded. And so the evidence uh, emerged in 1980, 1981. Uh, but by that time, I'd already been lucid dreaming for five or six years and what was figuring out uh, how that world really works. That's fascinating. Do you, side kind of conversation, do you believe that the world is on a single consciousness? You know, do you believe that that timing was, was relevant? It's interesting, uh, that timing, because it was the spring of 1975 when I taught myself a simple technique to become lucidly aware and it was also the spring of 1975, where at the University of Hull, Alan Worsley was the first person to ever signal with his eyes uh, from, from within a lucid dream that he was consciously aware. And I, I remember the uh, researcher uh, uh, said that philosophically, scientifically, it was mind-blowing. It was like getting uh, signals from another universe. And so that's kind of what it's like when you're consciously aware within the dream state. And in some regards, you are in the universe of dreaming. You're you're aware within the unconscious. 
Mm-hmm. I also tell people that, you know, when you think of augmented reality and virtual reality and, and virtual reality games and Fortnite and all that kind of stuff, you, you always know that someone coded it. There's a programmer behind all of that. Mm-hmm. But when you become lucidly aware in the lucid dream, who coded the lucid dream? When you go around the corner, who created that image? Who created that dream figure? Who created and and so so the beautiful thing about lucid dreaming is you realize that you can dive deep within the unconscious, explore you know the nature of the unconscious mind, and, and really do some fantastic things. Crazy fascinating. Um, it I have a million questions, but I'd like to. So the podcast is about emotions, consciousness, and connecting. So can I? Can we define, and just so we're both on the same page, what are um, what is consciousness to you? You talk about the consciousness and then the subconscious and unconscious. Let's kind of define that a little bit. Yeah, so, um, so, so right now, um, I'm conscious of having this conversation with you, and the listeners mm-hmm. are conscious of listening to it. Um, I'm subconsciously aware of my rear end on the chair and my feet on the floor. I, I can kind of feel that pressure. I'm subconsciously aware of that. And I'm unconsciously aware of my third grade teacher and, uh, mm. and I'm unconsciously aware of, of kind of thoughts that are floating through my mind, but, but I'm not even focusing, focusing upon. So, so you can see that uh, consciousness is kind of where you turn your focus. Um, because when I turn my focus to my rear end, what was subconscious now has become conscious. Mm-hmm. And when I turn my focus to my third grade teacher, what was unconscious is now, you know, consciously remembered again. And I can remember being a third grader uh, watching her stand up at the front of the room. So, totally. so, so that, 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 that's how I think of that. So, but consciousness is, is you know, connected to a self. I, I would also say that there's an awareness. And, and when you get deep into lucid dreaming, you kind of get into that kind of awareness behind the dream and that kind of sense of a interconnected oneness kind of a, single Mm -hmm. consciousness Mm -hmm. um perfect and then where do emotions fit into consciousness right so 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 emotions kind of serve as the as the energetic kind of life force um you know that that uh emboldens enlivens consciousness to explore to do things to you know become its most fulfilled self Mm -hmm. it's 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 the color yeah, it's it's the color and and it's kind of the 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 wind in the sails, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, w- without that emotional energy, you, you can just you know go nowhere. But but the emotions kind of energize uh, the intent and, and and keep you on the path. I appreciate that you say the word energy, energize that intent. I think that's really cool. Mm. Um, you know, because what what I realized deeper as I went into lucid dreaming. You can actually explore it in a very energetic sense. And, w- and one thing I tell people in my workshops, follow the energy in your lucid dreams. If you become consciously aware within the dream and over there, there's a wedding celebration, follow that energy. Go to the area of the greatest energy. See what's going on. It's, it's not there just randomly. Uh, your wow. larger awareness has created that energy and you ought to focus on it. And so sometimes you'll focus on that energy. Sometimes you have energy behind you. And, and you know, that's what Carl Jung would call the shadows position, kind mm-hmm. of the, the denied, ignored, repressed things. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes they, they're behind you like a monster. And so, so wherever you are, 
go to the area of the most energy and, and you're going to learn 10 times more about yourself than, than if you just putz around and uh, have fun. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so I love all this. The first time I lucid dream, I was, I was very young and it was one of the flying dreams. I imagine you hear a lot of people say that. Yeah. You know, flying is just one of those fun things. It's so liberating. Uh, yeah. so that's great. That's great. You became lucidly aware while you're flying around. Yeah. The funny thing is the second I became lucidly aware, it, it made flying not possible, but high, <laughs> high jumping was possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, it's funny about that, Dan. I, I remember reading uh, one time um, in the Nightlight, which was a little newsletter that uh, Stephen LeBurge came out with. Um, a lucid dreamer reported that, that she became lucidly aware and she started flying and she went higher and higher and higher. And then she looked down and kind of got afraid that she was so high. And then she began to plummet <laughs> to the earth. And then, and then she thought, well, wait a second, this is a lucid dream. And so she started flying higher and higher and higher. And then she looked down again and, and got afraid again and started to plummet. And finally, this, this larger awareness, this non-visible voice said, doubt is gravity. And, and this woman was just blown away. And then a week later, she was applying for a job and had a job interview. And they asked her a tough question. And she realized she could answer in a in a doubtful way about herself or she could answer in a positive way about herself. And she answered in a positive way and got the job. But but she just realized that, you know, that, that emotion of doubt, that kind of lack of trust is really what keeps people down and uh and keeps them from achieving their full potential. Wow. That's a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal because the beautiful thing about lucid dreaming is you see your ideas, beliefs, expectations, emotions, you see all of that reflected in what happens. And, uh, you know, you see that when you have fear of being too high, then you plummet to the ground. You, uh-huh. you, just, you begin to learn these lessons that your beliefs and expectations are really important. And, and so it helps to be mindfully aware of those things uh, if you really can, want to achieve your full potential in life. Totally. I totally agree. And we, are, we sleep so much and it's such a big part. You know, it's, it's almost silly not to allow those eight hours to become um, important. You know, it's interesting. Um, of the eight hours of sleeping, about 23% of that uh, is spent in the dream state. And so if you, mm. start to, if you start to do the math, you realize that by age 11, you've spent one entire year in the dream state. And by age 33, you've spent three entire years in the dream state and so on. Wow. But what do we know about dreaming? Most yeah. of us, most of us know very little, but we barely even understand our own dream symbolism. And, and so mm-hmm. that, that's why lucid dreaming, when you're consciously aware, you can explore and experiment and you can kind of get in touch with this other half of yourself that, that you, you barely understand most of the time. Mm-hmm. So my, it leads me to my next thought on can anyone lucid dream? You know, that's a great question. Um, in in surveys, they've asked like uh, freshman college students in a psychology class, have you ever become consciously aware in the dream state? And mm-hmm. normally about 70% say yes. And then of that group, about 25% say that they have at least one lucid dream a month. So So I would say, you know, probably seven out of 10 people have already had a lucid dream. If, if they would remember their dreams, can everyone, 
I think everyone could, but uh, it does take a little bit of effort and training and mindfulness mm-hmm. and, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I think everyone could, but but about 70% of teenagers nowadays would say, yeah, they've had a lucid dream. Really interesting. Um, what is the training, like high level, because I know that this is, imagine what you talk about in the workshops and seminars. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I train people because... Part of it is not only becoming lucid, but then stabilizing the lucid dream because you can become lucid and then get so excited that you immediately pop mm-hmm. out. So, mm-hmm. so you, you got to realize that there's these kind of principles and guidelines on how to create a stable lucid dream. And then there's these other factors that help with exploring and experimenting and, and doing incredible stuff. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that's what the training gets into, how to do it, how to stabilize it, and then how to explore and experiment. And how to explore. Yeah, I would say at the moment I can become lucid and I'm also the place where I can explore a little bit. But you mentioned the other day in your in your seminar that there is a you kind of talked about it here as well, this inner voice, this connect who is actually controlling this coded reality that you're living in. And you talked about actually going another step and instead of playing within the experience playing with the above creator. Right. So, so that, that is why I called my first book, Lucid Dreaming Gateway to the Inner Self. Um, so, so I taught myself how to lucid dream in 1975. Then the evidence came out in 1980. And in 1985, I was part of a three-year lucid dreaming group where every month we had a goal to achieve. And, and one month, wow. uh, one month, the goal was find out what the dream figures in your lucid dream represent. And, and so I, I thought that'd be really easy. So um, I became lucidly aware, followed a woman into an office. There were three women there and a guy in a three-piece suit. I walked up to the guy and I asked him, hey, excuse me, what do you represent? And instead of the man responding, a voice boomed out a partial response from above. And that really blew my mind. And so I look up, you know, into the dream space and say, blah, 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 what? And then it booms out the full response of of what this guy represents. And so I tell myself to wake up and I write down the lucid dream. But the next day I began to think, what was this voice, you know, what was this voice and this non-visible voice? And so after that, in my lucid dreams, I began to ignore the dream figures and I would just ask questions to this invisible awareness behind the dream and it would respond. So you could you could ask something simple like, hey, dream, show me something important for me to see. And then the entire lucid dream would change or maybe just one object would appear, but there would be something important uh, there for you to see. Or, hey, dream, uh, show me my life as if as if it was a painting. And I did that one time, and and now all of a sudden there's this 80 foot by 30 foot painting hanging in the sky, you know, in just an instant. You cannot imagine wow. how much creativity occurs, and, and so that's what I try to get across. Um, you know, I I can create things in a lucid dream. You know, I can create a fireball and and do whatever, but when I reach out to this larger awareness you know, and asked to experience a concept or asked to experience something and the entire lucid dream changes, then you're getting to a whole new level of creativity. And um, yeah, I, I, I get emails from people all the time saying that, 
you know, my first book just blew their mind and they're having these experiences of interacting with their larger awareness and they're, they're just blown away. Mm -hmm. My, my particular process was I wanted to interact with the individuals within the dream and I recognized that they were faceless often. Oh, they didn't have. So when I, I started really thinking about it, I got eyes. Once I got eyes, then I could start actually having connection leading to mouths and finally being able to hear the voices but now that you've been saying this, I've actually been trying it for the last week and haven't quite got there to be aware enough to say to a higher level consciousness. That's what I'm currently working on. I just started the like you recommended, seeing if that helps. Right. So, so uh, no, that sounds great. And, and uh, you know, everybody has to start where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah. So, uh, like, I remember uh, one woman told me that, that she felt a little bit freaked out at the idea of interacting with her larger awareness or her inner self. And so what she did, she became lucidly aware and she just looked up and said, hey, dream, show me something funny. Show me something hilarious. And, and she said, all of a sudden down the street mm. comes walking this groovy gorilla who has multi-covered fur <laughs> and, and has this totally groovy walk. And she said she just burst out laughing to see what her unconscious <laughs> mind had, had shown her. So, 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 so everybody, everybody should pursue it at their own pace. I mean, I, I can suggest things that, that'll blow people's minds, but, but, but I, I want people to, you know, uh, start in the, start in the shallow end, but before they get into the deep stuff. What does that mean? Starting in the shallow end? Well, it, it's it's just like, hey, dream, show me something important for me to see, or hey, dream, show me uh, something hilarious. It, and that way, uh, when something appears, then you realize, oh, I've made a connection, I'm interacting. Or sometimes mm -hmm. a, a voice will respond, and you go, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. But if you went deeper, like uh, when I go out and give workshops, uh, people oftentimes ask me, well, you know, in a lucid dream, could I connect with God, or could I connect with Buddha or Jesus or whatever? I I, I said. No. I said, don't do that, because if you do it, you'll get too excited and you'll wake up. Here's what you should do instead. When you become loose, stabilize the lucid dream and then shout out, hey, dream, let me experience unconditioned love. And, mm. and then sometimes the resulting experience is so powerful, you, you'll, you won't believe how deep love can be. And uh, I remember one time a woman in London had heard me uh, talk about this, and then she did that. She said when she had the experience, she cried tears of joy for 15 minutes. And she couldn't believe how deep unconditional love was. And, and when she was talking about it, it's it like light was coming to her face. She was just totally into it. Wow. So, so that's the deeper water is when you start to experience concepts and, and, um, and go deeper that way. Help my audience understand how they would even, so let, let's say they understand dreams, they can remember their dreams, but they've never been in, they've never actually jumped into the lucid side of it. What, what's that transition look like? Yeah, so first you want to begin dream recall. You know, uh, it helps to have a pad of paper by your bed. And when you wake up, the first thought has to be, what was I just dreaming? Uh, because if you don't think about what, was you, what you were just dreaming, uh, then within 15 or 30 seconds, it'll just disappear. Then once you got a good dream recall established, th then you can uh, try out some of the techniques. Uh, for example, one of the best techniques is just the power of suggestion. So before you go to sleep, you'd suggest to yourself, tonight in my dreams, I'll be more aware. 
And when I notice something strange, I'll realize I'm dreaming. So you just repeat that over and over. Tonight in my dreams, I'll be more critically aware. And when I notice something strange, I'll realize I'm dreaming. And then you'll be, you know, walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden you see Tom Cruise drive by in a car. And, and you think, wait a second, Tom Cruise has come to my uh, little neighborhood. And you go, oh, crap, this this is a dream. Because that's what we normally lack in most of our dreams. We, we lack critical awareness. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll be driving a car, then we're driving a motorcycle, then we're driving on a bike, then we're on a skateboard. You know, just stuff happens mm-hmm. and we just accept it. But when we tell our when we tell ourselves to be more critically aware, that then we have a chance of of stopping that, you know, just total acceptance and and going, oh crap, this is too strange. Uh, how do I get back to my childhood home? Uh, you know, and that this must be a dream. So that that, that that's mm-hmm. how I'd suggest. But again, when you become lucid, then there's a whole other part. You gotta stay calm. You gotta reduce your emotions. Uh, it helps to enhance mm-hmm. your awareness. So you might want to rub your dream hands together or touch something to kind of ground yourself in that dream space. And then the final thing is you got to maintain your focus. You got to remember that as you go around exploring that, hey, this is a dream. So you know, maybe every 30 seconds you tell yourself, this is a dream. This is a dream. I'm dreaming this. But anyway, that, that would get you started. That would get you into the front gate and uh, show you how beautiful it can be. Perfect. Um, it's it's very interesting. How? What is it? When you talk about the emotions, and you're actually because I, I find this really interesting, saying that you have to like calm your emotions down. Why is it that? Because there are dreams and almost leading to nightmares. You've got this stage of I had a dream. I don't remember it. Then there's, I'm dreaming, it's a lucid dream, I'm kind of in control of it. And then you've got this other spectrum of nightmares, which it's almost too far. And people try to like relate into that and say, oh, why did you have a nightmare? Why did you have a dream? There's a lot of meaning behind that. Have you delved into why this emotion, why you need to stay calm within your emotions? Why is, is there meaning behind any of these things? I know you've talked about it a little bit with the, the shadow self, and it sounds like you believe that there's some pretty serious meaning. But have you delved into that at all? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, what, one thing I always encourage people is, uh, like, let's say you have a nightmare that someone's chasing you. And, and you don't even turn around to see what's chasing you. you. You just run. You know, you run high. You try to get away. But sometimes what happens is people go, wait a second. This is that recurring nightmare of being chased. Oh, this is a nightmare? Oh, this is a dream. I'm dreaming this. So in my books, I encourage people, stop at that moment and turn and see what's chasing you. And then you should ask it an open-ended question like, who are you or what do you represent? And so, so uh, uh, last year, a, a guy wrote me and told me that he'd been having this recurring nightmare of being chased. Uh, he remembered, oh, wait a second, th- th- this is a dream. I'm, I'm, this is that same old nightmare. And he became lucid. And th- then he remembered in my book, he, he turned and asked the dream figure, who are you? And the dream figure replied, I am your fear of boredom. And and the lucid dreamer thought, whoa, I do do have a fear of boredom. You know, I'm constantly doing stuff and I'm checking three, you know, social media platforms and I'm doing stuff. And and the guy realized that he had a, you know, he he had developed kind of a lifestyle where where he just never stopped. He was just always going, you know. And, And so... 
So sometimes, you know, it's something that simple, but, but, but other times it can be really profound stuff that you learn about yourself. Uh, when you just ask, who are you or, or what do you represent? Because whenever something's chasing you or something, find out what it's all about. Sometimes though, you have to know how to respond. And, and so that's when I encourage people to, uh, always send the dream figure, whatever it's lacking. So if you, if you, if you have a hateful dream figure in your lucid dream, send it love. And when you send it that energy of love, all of a sudden you'll watch as it shrinks, you know, and it, and it might shrink down to a little boy or a little girl that just wants a hug. And, and so mm -hmm. it's incredible that, that when you realize in a dream that you should send whatever it's lacking, uh, th then you'll watch it transform. Then you'll realize, oh, when I change my mind, that dream figure change. So that shows that it's a product of my mind. And this is a way you can really get involved in self-healing of emotional trauma and self-healing of just inner stuff that goes on. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you said that you've kind of transitioned this into a modality of healing. Right. You know, um, that, that's the reason I wrote my books. I wanted people to see the lucid dreaming because if you go to a lucid dream forum, most people, you know, they fly around, they have fun, they might have lucid dream sex or something like that. I, I mean, that they, they just kind of, you know, it's, it's just whatever it is. But in my books, I show people you can use it for emotional healing. Uh, like in this nightmare case, you can, people have used it to resolve mm -hmm. phobias, anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen people get rid of some pretty bad habits uh, by doing stuff in their lucid dreams but you can also use it you know to help heal your physical body to access this inner awareness to access creativity to do spiritual practices like meditating you, you can it's an open platform you can use it for almost anything but but most people realize that if they're going to grow as a person uh, sometimes it's um, using lucid dreams to get out of their comfort zone to look at some of their limiting beliefs or negative beliefs uh, to heal some of the traumas they might have had in their life and and keep growing as a person mm -hmm. you have a very um intense for what i can see you have a pretty intense growth mindset you know you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what happened to me uh as i kept going deeper into lucid dreaming i realized that i would stop anytime there was a fear and then I realized that, oh, this is what people do in their waking life. They go as far as their comfort zone, and then they stop. And, and that's when I realized if I'm going to grow as a person, I have to face these fears, you know, the stuff that seems kind of negative and resolve it in a lucid dream. And, and I'll tell you, that was the best thing I ever did, because as I resolve things in this inner space of lucid dreaming, that then it then it made me more free in my waking life. And, and, and so like now, you know, when I used to go out before the pandemic and, and give talks, if I'd look in the back of the room, you know, and there's three guys who have their arms folded and, you know, look like they want to beat me up or whatever. At, at the break, that, those are the people mm -hmm. I go and talk to, you know, but because I realized mm. that whenever I see this reflection of, of whatever it is, you know, I want to go out and find out what it's all about. And so that, so that's why, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's why this kind of Jungian idea of the shadow of the denied, ignored, repressed parts of yourself, 
that's the place mm-hmm. to go. That, that's where you're going to find a lot of growth. And, and so even when I see it in the waking life, when I see, you know, uh, disagreement and disharmony or whatever, if I ever see that energy, that's where I go to. I don't run away from it. You know, if you run away from it, you'll turn it into the shadow. If you go into it, then you'll find mm-hmm. out what's going on and it'll at least give you some insight and maybe you'll even have a chance to resolve things. And, and mm-hmm. some of my best lucid dreaming friends are, are the ones who, when they heard my talk the first time, they, they looked at me like I was a crazy person. And, and so I went, at, so I, so I went <laughs> at the break and talked to them. <laughs> and then I, I I heard what their disagreeing aspect was, and I, you know I came to appreciate their point of view, and I think they came to understand my point of view, and, and now they're some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. But but again, if you run away from that kind of stuff, wow. you know, then then you're just help you're just adding energy to the shadow, you know. So so that, that that's why mm-hmm. I say go, go into it, lean into it, however you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself a healer? You know, I. I believe healing is so important, and uh, and my thing is this: I, I want to give people the tools to help them heal, and, and I think lucid dreaming shows us emotional healing. In, in fact, uh, some therapists use it for people who have recurring nightmares from post-traumatic stress disorder, because that's one of the common characteristics of PTSD is recurring nightmares, and, and they teach them to become mm-hmm. lucidly aware. And normally when they change one thing in the lucid dream or become lucidly aware in, in their nightmare, th- then, the, then the nightmares cease. And so that's great. But, but, but my thing is about providing the tools, showing people you can use it for emotional healing. You can use it for physical healing. You, you can use it for even family trauma. It, it's truly incredible. Um, if, you, if you have a second, I, I want to tell you about one thing that really blew my mind. Um, I got invited down to Bogota, Colombia to, to give a workshop. And in the front row was this woman who was asking great questions. So I knew she was a good lucid dreamer, but she had all this pain in her face. You know, even, even though she looks like she's probably 40 years old, she, she just had all this pain in her face. And so anyway, she asked great questions. I knew she was a good lucid dreamer. They had me come back six months later and do another workshop. And in walks this woman and now 70 or 80% of the pain is gone. And I walk up to her and I, I ask her through the translator, wow. I said, what happened to you? And she said that she had been a lucid dreamer for a long time, but she had never conceptually thought of how you could use lucid dreaming for emotional healing until she heard me at the first workshop explain how to do it. And so she paid attention. She did exactly what I said. And w- within a month of that first workshop, she had a lucid dream in which she got an emotional healing of her heart. And, and she said, ever since then, she's been totally transformed. And, and I want to tell you, Dan, she, she looked younger, more attractive. The pain was gone out of her face. I mean, you know, 80% of it was. And, wow. and she, she, then she looked. I can still remember the traumatic events that happened in my life but now they have no energy associated with them. You know, they're, they're like healed. And, and I was just blown away to, to see someone have such a dramatic change. So, so, so again, I, I want to give people the tools uh, to do it because mm-hmm. lucid dreaming, I mean, we all dream every night. If we learn how to use dreams and lucid mm-hmm. dreams, you know, we, we can help move ourselves towards our own personal healing and personal growth. 
Mm-hmm. May I ask what dream impacted you the most? You know, um, uh, I'll tell you one that, that was really touching for me. Um, so, so my, my dad passed away um, maybe 20 years ago. And uh, um, within three months, I, I decided oh, I'm going to try to have a lucid dream and meet my dad. But, but when I did that, all the dream figures told me not to do it, that it wasn't time yet. And because all the dream figures were in unanimous mm. agreement, I thought, okay, they're right. And then I made them tell me what every symbol in the dream meant. And so I pointed at everything in the dream, and they told me exactly what it meant. And I was really blown away by how sharp their answers were. So, so when I woke up, I thought, okay, if my dad wants to visit me, he can visit me when he wants to. And it was about three years later, mm-hmm. I see this gold ladder, and coming down the gold ladder is my father. And I immediately become lucid because I think, wait a second, dad died three years ago. This is a dream. And, and then I started to laugh because he had such a bad haircut. And, and I thought, I thought my dad <laughs> in the dream state, you know, in the after death state can't even get a good haircut. But then, but then I thought, well, wait a second, is this my dad as a dream symbol, as a projection of my mind and, and my stuff? Or is this my dad as a, as a spiritual being in the after death state? And so, so when he came down the ladder, we greeted each other, and I decided to question him. I said, hey, Dad, you're from the land of the dead. I think mom's going to pass away. And, and he said, oh, probably in two to six years. I said, of what? He, he said, a heart condition. And that, that really surprised me because my mom had never had any heart troubles. And, and then I asked him some other questions. He responded. And then he told me to please be quiet because he came to tell me things. And he gave me a lot of insight into the family and, and things that might happen in our future. But, but anyway, as it turned out, uh, 23 months later, almost two years exactly later, my mom went to the hospital and almost died of a heart condition. She made it through that. And then about three years later, she went back to the hospital and almost died again because they were giving her a medicine that actually affected her heart and was harming her heart. Uh, but she made it through that two to six year period and, uh, you know, c- c- continues to live today. So, so the... The, the beautiful thing in, in telling that story is uh, w- one thing that lucid dreaming really helps with is helping people who have grief. You know, a lot of us have friends uh, who have passed away or relatives who have passed away and, and all. And when you meet them in the dream state and become lucidly aware, you can begin to ask them questions and learn stuff. And, and sometimes that is really a healing for you to kind of you know, help you get over that grief of, of the loss. Yeah. That's spectacular. It's, it's wild. It's wild when it happens. It's, it's totally wild. I, I, I remember talking to one guy who, who told me that his mom died of cancer um, when he was like 16 years old and, and his parents were divorced. He never saw his dad. And he said he was just so angry at the world. And, and so when he graduated from high school, he became a bouncer at a bar. And he said he liked that job because he could beat up people, you know, who wouldn't leave the bar, you know, at closing time. Uh, but, and he said, but, but about a year into being a bouncer, a nighty dream, and his mother, and he became lucidly aware. And his mom told him, um, I left something for you at our friend's place. And, and she tells who the friends are and, and what it is. And, and the guy woke up and he thought, if this is real, this is going to be really powerful. He calls up the friends. The friends say, boy, we've been looking for you. You know, your mom left something, but you just disappeared off the face of the earth. And, and so he goes there. He gets the thing. 
that his mom had told him in the lucid dream she had left for him. And, and the guy said when he had that, he realized that there was something more to life. If his mom could come in the after-death state and give him information that was outside of his knowing, he knew there was more to life. And so he, he went to college, uh, started up some, you know, internet software companies and has become quite well-to-do and, and got his head together. But, but, but that's another aspect of kind of emotional healing is, is wow. that grief because a lot of people think, oh, someone's dead and you can't resolve anything. Well, in a lucid dream, you can resolve stuff. Right. So. So, right. That's a big deal. It's powerful. Right. We all go through loss. We all go through trauma. So to have this, this huge thing where, like you said, by the time you're 33, you've had three, three days worth. Is yeah. that right? Three years worth? <laughs> three years of dreaming to practice this life. You know, that's, that's a year per every 10 per decade that you oh, can work on huge. the trauma it's and huge. stuff. That's but, a big but deal. Of course, in our culture, we, we devalue dreaming. You know, someone starts telling you a dream and you roll your eyes and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so, so that's, that's the incredible thing. Uh, dreaming and lucid dreaming can really just, just transform a life, uh, but, but it helps to know how. That's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, okay, so I have two more questions and we'll kind of wrap it up. And they're a little bit off topic, so I okay. appreciate you answering them. Have you, do you find that substances help or hinder lucid dream? Remote view, or, um, you know, lucid dream? Um, yeah. uh, people who drink a lot of alcohol normally have less uh, REM state or less dreaming. People who, who's, who smoke pot mm -hmm. normally have less, less uh, dreaming. So, so that kind of stuff hinders. And, uh, now, occasionally, mm -hmm. and, and I in no way am supporting this, but occasionally someone will tell me that they did some substance and all of a sudden uh, they're having more lucid dreams. But, but, but again, what I would say mm -hmm. is, you know, in general terms, it's a natural thing. And if we just do it in the natural way uh, by using our mind and, and all that kind of stuff, we're, we're going to be best off. Yeah. Understood. And then kind of gave myself away earlier. Have you ever tried remote viewing because you're, you've, you're kind of, I'm going to call you an expert at this lucid dreaming stuff. Have you ever tried doing a more remote viewing, which is more meditation within uh, let's awake space, awake consciousness to then see somewhere within using your mind within a similar yeah, space, you but know, within um, reality differently. Yes, I have. And uh, a, a good friend of mine who I met at the International Association for the Study of Dreams is Dale Groff. He, he's written books on remote viewing. He, he was the yeah. director of the Department of Defense Stargate program, which is all about using uh, remote viewing to, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, learn secrets about what the Soviets were up to and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, and so so yeah, it's it's um, mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing. What lucid dreaming taught me was that we exist in an interconnected oneness, and, and so so that's why I think remote viewing and things like that can actually work, is because we exist in a oneness. We just got to get our head into the oneness, and and, and then we can kind of uh, pick up information about things that our normal physical senses, uh, you know, beyond our normal physical senses. Completely agree. Uh, that is amazing. Robert, this is incredible. And what's so fascinating is 
we probably touched on ten <laughs> percent of all the stuff that I want to touch on because we talked about. I heard so much before from. So, how do people get in touch with you? How do people get in contact with you? How do they do this themselves with yeah, you? So, um, help me understand my, my how they can. Website connect. is lucidadvice.com. Um, I also have a free online magazine, uh, the Lucid Dreaming Experience, at dreaminglucid.com. But I, I do online workshops with IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Um, I, I have other events g- going on. If you if you go to my book's website, lucidadvice.com, you, you can check out all the different ways of getting in touch. Okay, cool. And you have a uh, workshop coming up soon, you know, I believe, uh, March 12th? Well, we updated it, and it, it actually started uh, February 19th. And, and so it's, it's, it's just started, and, and we're having a lot of fun. It's, okay. it's, it's great to see people have their first lucid dreams and, uh, and start to play around with these concepts. Spectacular. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, This has been incredible. Absolutely. All right. This is actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. Thank you, Robert, very much. I appreciate you. Like what you heard? Give it a share. Want to talk about it? Comment or like below. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Actually Connecting Podcast.